Welcome to Disciple Making Ministries Podcast. This is your host, David Spirik, broadcasting from Kyiv, Ukraine. This is a missionary podcast dedicated to multiplying disciple making movements internationally. Our vision is to finish the disciple making movement that Jesus started and passed on to his disciples. Our mission is to engage, to establish, to equip, and to empower believers internationally to start their own disciple-making movements among family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and churches. Our values include being biblical, incarnational, relational, transformational, reproducible, faith-driven, prayer-driven, process-driven, principle-driven, kingdom-driven, and Holy Spirit-driven. Our services arise out of our spiritual gift set of teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, and apostleship. We're glad that you joined our show today and would like to get to know you better, so drop us a note to introduce yourself and let us know from where you're listening. We welcome ideas for future show topics and guest speakers. We're reaching for excellence here, so leave us some feedback on our website at www.disciplemakingministries.org. Or leave us a voicemail message on our telephone line at area code 214-377-1107. You may indicate there if you'd like your voicemail message to be included in a future podcast episode. I'll return in just a few moments with today's main topic. Welcome to our podcast show today. We have a great show for you. We've done our very first interview here at Disciple Making Ministries. We hope this is the first of many useful interviews that will help you to learn more principles about making disciples. If you know of someone who's engaged in discipleship and that person might be willing to come on our show, then let us know. Drop on over to our website. We have a feedback form there that you can fill out and give us some information about possible contacts for future episodes. It's amazing how technology has broken down the barriers. Here I am, located in Kiev, Ukraine. My guest speaker is located in Kansas City, Missouri. And we're posting this show on the internet for a worldwide audience. This platform of the internet has broken down geographical barriers. Anybody with access to the internet can download and listen to the show. This platform has also broken down time zone barriers. These podcasts are available to be downloaded and listened to at anyone's convenience, whether in the car on the way to work or at home while doing dishes. This platform has broken down many physical barriers. There are very few building and maintenance costs because I produce these episodes directly out of my home. This platform has broken down travel barriers. We are now able to teach discipleship training seminars completely online without having to travel anywhere. This platform has also broken down staffing barriers. Though we would love to hire staff to do more training and to produce more discipleship media content, Meanwhile, while we are praying and waiting for God to expand our staffing abilities, we can do much of this uh, by ourselves. This platform has also broken down some usual external restrictions that are placed on the use of our spiritual gifts. For example, this past week when the Lord led me to develop a 30-day discipleship challenge, I simply went out there on the internet and did as God was telling me to do. 
This idea of a discipleship challenge is to challenge believers to spend 30 minutes per day during the month of September in prayer, Bible reading, and journaling. I didn't have to receive anyone's permission to do this. I just simply obeyed the Lord. So God has really blessed me to open this new means of ministry through the internet. There have been some challenges along the way. There's been a huge learning curve about how to develop a website and how to do a podcast show. And now it's expanding into the area of doing interviews. But step by step, the Lord has uh, given me some better ways, some ways of multiplying ministry, some ways of breaking through the barriers to reach a wider audience for the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. If you're interested in starting your own disciple-making ministry among your circles of influence where God has placed you, or if you're interested in developing some additional discipleship curriculum and video resources for our website, or if you're interested in translating some resources into another language to make this accessible to a wider audience, if you're interested in becoming a discipleship trainer in your region of the world, then drop on over to our website and start a dialogue with us. After a short break of worship music recorded in-house by my daughter, we'll return with today's interview with Dale Losh, president of Crossworld.
cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Well, we're very glad today to have Dale Losh with us. It's a pleasure to have you in my very first interview here on Disciple Making Ministries podcast show. And so uh, like you, well, I'd like to start out by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. So would you please uh, tell us uh, something about where you're from and your family and how you came to know Jesus? Sure. Um, I am uh, happily married for 34 years to a beautiful girl named Jerusha. And uh, a lot of people say, where, where is that name from? It's actually an Old Testament uh, King's wife, and uh, she is um, has been a wonderful partner in ministry for 34 years. I became a follower of Jesus myself um, at the age of six uh, in response to a gospel message that my dad preached. Uh, I was the son of a pastor, and um, so I really can attest to the, the grace of God all through my growing up years. Uh, but I really responded to God's... Um, disciple-making command, I guess, probably back during my uh, studies, my graduate studies in theology at, at Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, I had been challenged, actually, during that time by a, a mission speaker who uh, made this statement to us seminary students. He said, a lot of you say you're willing to go. He was talking about going to the nations as, as disciple-makers. He said, a lot of you say you're willing to go, but you're planning to stay. And um, maybe more of you should be planning to go, but willing to stay. And and God really used that to, to nudge me in the direction of um, serving him cross-culturally. So for the last 28 years, um, we have served, uh, my wife and I, under the banner of Cross World. We uh, began back in 1988 in France, where we helped establish a, a new church there. And then in 1997, uh, we were asked to come back to our Toronto sending base and um, give leadership there. And we did that for 11 years. And now for about the past eight years, I've served as the president of Cross World based out of our offices here in Kansas City. So that's a little bit about my background. I also have four kids, four adult kids, uh, all of them married, uh, two grandkids, and uh, two more on the way. Oh, wow, that's amazing there. Well, congratulations on the grandkids. That is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I have two uh, myself that are about in the college age, and so I expect that soon they'll be moving off out into the world and and getting married, and then we'll get to enjoy that same stage of life as you are right now. Yeah, well, it's good. Since we have a wide audience out there uh, from a variety of different backgrounds, I'd be interested in you telling me a little bit more about your ministry as a missionary there in France. Could you shed some light on that for us? Yeah, we actually um, were invited to go and work uh, alongside an established French church um, that had a vision for uh, multiplying churches around the Grenoble area of southeast France. And so we went and, uh, along with one other American couple, um, helped that French church launch a church in the suburbs. Um, it was 
predominantly a, a church made up of young believers from university ministry, and um, we were blessed to be part of a, a really good group of, of believers and saw God bless it and um, build his church there just in the outskirts of Grenoble. Oh, what kind of ministries were you involved in specifically there? Were you pastoring or youth ministry or what kind of things were you doing? It really evolved from from the beginning as the as the church began to grow and mature. Um, at the very front end, it was a lot of uh, outreach ministry, a lot of evangelistic ministry. Um, you know, running kids clubs and um, sports events to reach youth, and uh, doing a lot of distributions and um, visitation. Uh, and as as we began to see um, people come to faith and the church uh, begin to grow and appointing uh, leaders. It, it, it evolved uh, to in, take on a lot more of a, a teaching and uh, discipling role of the, the leaders there in the church. So it sort of depended on the phase of um, the development of that group. Um, but it started out very much um, evangelistically oriented uh, and a lot more um, kind of equipping uh, believers as it grew. Wow, that is so important there. I, I understand completely about the different phases that you can go through in a ministry. Um, that's part of what we're trying to do here with my ministry is find people where they're at and then move them from one phase of spiritual maturity to the next. And I guess the same is true in, in the life of a church in a ministry. Yeah, and um, it's really um, those phases are really, I think, part of the disciple-making um, continuum as well. I think we tend to look at evangelism and discipleship almost as two separate things, and and they're really not. I think they are part of the same continuum uh, that um, begins well before the cross and continues well after the cross, Uh I think we tend to look at um, evangelism as only what happens up until the time they're saved, and then discipleship begins from the time they're saved until you know the time we go to be with Jesus. And I, I would suggest, contrary to that, that discipleship begins way before the cross as we help people learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it continues, obviously, well after the cross. But evangelism continues well after the cross too we need to be preaching the gospel to one another um all through our uh years as believers because you know paul said in the uh, to the romans he said i i want to come uh, i have wanted to come to preach the gospel to you also brothers who are in rome and uh, i think he wanted to preach the gospel to believers because the believers need the gospel so um evangelism and discipleship are really part of that continuum just like you talked about the the church uh, going through phases i think it's the same in disciple making wow thank you so much for those insights um that's very helpful for me personally and also for our audience out there uh, what we're trying to do in this ministry uh, this podcast ministry that i'm doing is that i'm trying to engage a larger international audience and I'm trying to encourage them and equip them and help them to become more effective in starting their own disciple-making ministry or movement wherever God has placed them around the world. And so 
This is a huge help to me, and I really appreciate your input today. Well, I affirm and encourage you in what you're doing. Okay, I want to go to my second point here uh, on my list. I'd like you to share a little bit with our audience about the ministry of Crossworld, maybe something about its history or something that makes it unique or special. Okay. Uh, or uh, maybe you may even want to share some places where Crossworld members are working. Sure. Uh, Crossworld has uh, been around since 1931. Uh, it was started under the name Unevangelized Fields Mission, but uh, changed its name a number of years ago to Crossworld. And uh, it's, it's a global disciple-making ministry that sends disciple-makers from all professions all over the world uh, to bring God's love to life. And when I say disciple-makers from all professions, what I mean by that is we, we send people from the traditional or classic religious professions of what we have for many years referred to as missionaries, uh, so from the classic religious profession, but we also send disciple-makers from um, marketplace professions, uh, so what we would call more non-traditional kinds of uh, disciple-making roles. And we, um, we have many traditional religious workers around the world, as well as a growing number of non-traditional marketplace professionals. So in addition to... Uh, Bible teachers, pastors, seminary professors, youth workers. We also have uh, people in marketplace professions like engineers, uh, university professors, tech company managers, public school English teachers, business entrepreneurs, and so on. Uh, and we have uh, people working in about 30 least-reached regions of the world today. Oh, that is awesome. Could you uh, share maybe a personal story of one of those workers that you're familiar with who's in a non-traditional who's in a non-traditional role yeah um there's a, a young guy by the name of ryan who is uh he's an american he's a project manager for a tech company in cambodia uh and he um, shares an office with about six young uh, cambodian co-workers uh, he loves his work, and he also loves ministry. And for Ryan, work and ministry are not two separate things. For Ryan, his work is his ministry. Uh, and, you know, people will say, well, I mean, what does that look like? How do you find time for ministry when you're putting in a 50 or 60-hour work week? Well, for Ryan, that begins by doing his job with excellence and integrity. And so under his leadership as the project manager, his team has gone way up in productivity. So he does his job with excellence for starters. But it also looks like um, joining his coworkers in the break room in the afternoon for a snack of bugs. Uh, and yes, I did say bugs. Apparently, uh, that is a real treat in Cambodia. So, you know, he'll stop his work and he'll spend some time during the break with his coworkers. Um, it involves uh, work as ministry involves being ready to interact with them when they share about some of their struggles as dads or as husbands, and and being able to uh, share with them how his faith impacts his role as a dad. And in Ryan's case, it's also uh, involved responding to a request that actually came from his workers to have a, a lunch hour Bible study where the curious um, as well as the committed could 
um, get together and talk about matters of faith. So um, he is really being used both as a great employee of the company and as a real uh, minister of the gospel right there in that setting. So that that would be one example of uh, what we would call a non-traditional uh, disciple maker that's, that's part of our teams. Oh, that is awesome. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what audience we're going to have out there in the future. This will be recorded and put on the Internet for future people to download and listen to. And so perhaps mm-hmm. there will be a businessman out there who's a Christian, and he or she is interested in pursuing such an opportunity of mixing the uh, business with the ministry in a different country in the world. If there's somebody out there like that, uh, how would you address them if they're interested in such an opportunity? Well, one of the things that we, um, one of the the kinds of people that we're particularly looking for um, with regards to the non-traditional marketplace people are people who work for multinational companies. Um, they are probably the easiest to get um, in a cross-cultural setting because their companies are already there. And so um, we would encourage those folks to consider going and sitting down with, you know, if they have a a vice president of HR or something, going and sitting down with them and and saying, um, uh, the next time an opening comes up for a position in, such and such a place, I'd be interested in being considered for that. Um, And I think that's one way to take a step toward the nations and see what God does. If God opens the door uh, for them to go and work in uh, Thailand or in Delhi, India, or wherever their company may be located around the world, um, that's that's one great way to do it. Uh, In terms of of connecting with a a ministry like ours, um, we'd love to talk to them. Um, and we've got, uh, we'll talk about our website maybe closer to the end, but um, they can go to our website and, and find a place there where they can connect with us and share with us some of their um, interests and uh, their professional interests, and uh, we engage in a conversation with them to see where that might go. Well, that is awesome that uh, we can connect uh, business with mission for the kingdom of God, and that's something that I'm really interested in seeing advance here uh, among my audience. I'd like to move on to question number three. Now, this one uh, I haven't asked you before, but it's been in my mind for probably a couple of years. (laughs) So uh, my question is, several years ago, you refocused the vision of Crossworld to more towards discipleship. And I was wondering what led you to that refocusing. Well, I'm glad I can answer that question. You you shouldn't have waited two years to ask me, Dave. But uh, this is a good uh, this is a, um, a good place to answer that. Um, Crossworld has always been committed to the establishment and growth of new communities of believers. What what we refer to as the church, uh, that has always been. Um, very central to what we do. But a few years ago, um, we as leaders became concerned that we as an organization, but the church in in general, um, had not always perhaps been doing a great job at, at what Jesus told us to do in order to get church. 
and that is to make disciple makers or to make disciples who make disciples. Um, we felt like we were good at, and I think the church in the West especially is good at spiritual addition, but not necessarily so good at spiritual multiplication or spiritual reproduction. Uh, we're good at making converts and filling a building that we call the church, uh, but not necessarily so good at making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so, um, we felt like we needed to get back, make sure that, that, that we were getting back to the basics of what Jesus told us to do. Uh, and if we did what Jesus told us to do, we would get what Jesus said he would, would build, and that is the church. So we wanted to get back to the basics. Um, uh, secondly, we, we also felt very strongly that we had really done poorly at engaging the whole body of Christ. Um, all believers in all of their diversity as part of our disciple making among the nations and there we you know we had primarily sent religious professionals uh, essentially I guess it's about one tenth of one percent of the body of Christ uh, would be about how many uh, traditional uh, missionaries are sent so basically we engaged one tenth of one percent of the body of Christ to send them to go and make disciples of the nations when we should have been mobilizing the whole body of Christ and sending them out in all of their diversity. So those two things really um, uh, were what caused us to, to shift um, our focus a little bit uh, to focus on what we call um, all professions disciple-making. And we felt like in many ways, it had been right there in front of us all the time when Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, which we said obviously must include the thing he was commanding them right there at that moment, which is to go make disciples of all nations and teach them to go make disciples of all nations and teach them to go make disciples and so on. So we, we felt like, you know, this commission was not given to religious professionals alone. It was given to the church to go and disciple the nations and teach them to go and disciple the nations. So it was really uh, that, that, that that really got our attention back about five years ago. That leads me to another question uh, that I didn't write in your email. But what process, no what process did you take to move in that direction? In other words, what kind of steps, once you realized that you needed to make this change, what kind of practical steps did you have to take to actually implement that change? Hmm. Well, that's probably a, a big question, but... Um for one, um, in terms of engaging the whole body of Christ, um, we realized that we needed to look at all of our processes, um, which were not always well adapted to um, the training needs and the, the sending needs of somebody who might go out and take a job working with IBM in, in some foreign country, for example. So... Um, we we began looking at all of our processes, our training, um, how we delivered that training, uh, which up until that time was pretty much in person. You know, you 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 quit your job, 
you come to Crossworld, you you get uh, some intensive training for several weeks, you you go out and raise your support and so on. And we said, well, that doesn't always work for non-traditional people. So how are we going to train them? How are we going to provide um, the kind of uh, equipping and mentoring that they need? So we we started looking at our process and processes, and it's been a, a slow process of retooling um, in t- in terms of refocusing on disciple making um, we we had a lot of uh, serious discussion and study and reading um, about uh, disciple making and and trying to make sure that we really understood what we were talking about and that we weren't just changing terminology and saying, well, before we talked about church planting, now we're talking about disciple making. But it's really the same thing. Uh, no, we, we wanted, we wanted to, to make sure that we understood and our people understood what we were talking about. So, you know, for example, we said, well, how would we define a disciple? What is a disciple, biblically speaking? And, and we we put together a definition, which it's certainly not the only definition of a disciple, but for us, we think it's very um, true to what Scripture says. And, and so we say a disciple is one who is learning to live and love like Jesus and helps others do the same. And, you know, every one of those words is very important for us. We talked about what's the disciple-making process and 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 defined that very clearly and then began to to make that part of our language uh, and our practice in Crossworld so that when we're together with one another, it's not a threatening question to say, tell me about one of the disciples in your life. And, and, and we understand what we're talking about. We understand, you know, a disciple is one who is learning to live and love like Jesus and helps others to do the same. We understand what the process looks like, and, and it's not a threatening thing for someone to ask us that question, so it's really been a it, it's been a, a lengthy process. It wasn't that we flipped the switch in a, a couple weeks or a couple months. It's really been the last five years that we've been on this journey. Well, that is an awesome journey. It's one that I also have been on for the last uh, well, I'd say about a year, and I'm trying to do the same thing: defining and understanding the process and the principles and then going out and implementing it in real practical life relationships here where I'm at. Uh, that, that's going to lead me to question number four, and which is more personal and more practical. Uh, there's some people out there, I'm sure, who really want to start to fulfill the Great Commission and to start making a disciple, but they don't know how to practically do it. And so I would really like you to share a personal story of maybe somebody with whom you're discipling right now and, and, and how, how you're working with them, with some practical advice. Sure. Um, well, as I uh, said a little bit earlier, we see disciple-making as something that occurs on both sides of the cross, uh, both with believers but also with unbelievers. Um, the Apostle John, for example, used the word disciple to describe both kinds of people. Um, obviously, he used it more with those who had come to faith and were 
disciples following Jesus, but he also used it, for example, in John 6, verse 66, where he talked about some disciples of Jesus who no longer followed him. And I think he was referring to people who had begun to learn about Jesus. They were learners in the sense that they were coming to him, listening to him, trying to figure out what he was about. But at a certain point, they turned and they decided they weren't going to follow him. So we we look at it as uh, both sides of the cross. So I, I'm always asking God, Lord, give me a disciple. Give me at least one or two disciples on both sides of the cross. Give me somebody on the one side of the cross, the unbelieving side, in whom I can invest my life and and your truth to help them come to a point of faith in Jesus, and give me someone on the other side of the cross who has come to faith in Jesus that I can invest my life and your truth in to see them come to fullness in Jesus. So let me tell you a story of a disciple on the unbelieving uh, side of the cross. Uh, There's a guy named Ramesh, who I met... Um, just about exactly two years ago today, I was on a flight back from Europe, and I was switching planes in uh, New York. Uh, uh, I guess it was Newark, actually. And I was supposed to sit on one side of the plane. Uh, it was just one of these small commuter planes, and so there was one side with one seat, and the other side had two seats. Well, I was on the one-seat side, and I was kind of thinking, oh, this is great. You know, I'll be able just to kind of have my own space and time to think and rest. And as I was getting on the plane... I give my boarding pass, and the uh, the lady at the who was taking them, she said, "Oh, we have another seating assignment for you." She gives me another boarding pass, and here I'm on the other side of the plane. And um, you know, normally I would kind of be grumbling to myself, "Well, I had a seat by myself, and I got to sit beside somebody." But it was so strange that I thought, "I wonder if God has something here for me." So I went and I sat down beside this guy introduced myself, said, hi, I'm Dale, and he said, hi, I'm Ramesh, and I said, uh, are you headed home or away from home? And he said, uh, this is my first day in America. And I said, well, welcome to America. And that began a, a two-hour conversation. He was actually flying to uh, um, Kansas City, where I live, to begin his um, graduate studies. And so we talked the whole time, and um, before we landed, um, I said, you know, Ramesh, my wife and I would love to introduce you to American culture. Um, do you want to exchange contact information? And he was thrilled to do that. And, and that was the beginning of a wonderful two-year relationship that continues today. Uh, we reached out to him, and he introduced us, introduced us to a bunch of his friends as well, so it wasn't it's not just Ramesh anymore. It's 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 several of them, but we have done everything together. We spend, we have spent so much time doing. You know, we've gone to baseball games. He said, if you want to understand American culture, you got to understand baseball. Come on, we'll go to a baseball game. We've gone to hockey games. We've we've done weekend trips together to take them to see stuff. We we we've taught them how to play disc golf. We have had them over for untold dozens and dozens of meals. Um, they've had us over to their place for meals and cooked Indian food for us. Uh, we have them every holiday, whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter, uh, all of which are a wonderful opportunity in a very natural way to say, hey, you know, uh, this is what Christmas means to the average American. Let me tell you what Christmas means to a follower of Jesus. Uh, this is what Easter is to the average American, but this is what Easter is to a, a follower of Jesus. And so we have just done, spent so much time with these guys, just loving them, just 
introducing them to to life here in America and and being their friends and there have been wonderful opportunities to talk about spiritual things. Let me just tell you one uh, little conversation. I don't want to drag this out too long, but just recently um, I was talking with Ramesh and he said, you know, me and my friends have never met anyone like you and your wife. You're not like other Americans that we meet and you're you're nothing like what we thought about Christians when we lived back in India. And then he asked, he said, my, my friends ask me this all the time. And he said, I want to ask you, he said, why did you have time for me? And he was referring back to two years ago and and all the time we've spent since. And I said, well, you know, Ramesh, um, Jesus told, tells a story um, about a guy who was traveling uh, down this uh, deserted road and and um, he was attacked by thieves and left to die. And I went on to tell him the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, which, by the way, um, a lot of the spiritual discussions we have aren't, uh, you know, hey, do you want to open your Bible and let's read this passage together and talk about it? I mean, I, I hope we'll get there. But some of them are very informal like that, where I just tell them the story and we talk about it. So I told him the story and I said, you know, those two religious leaders, um, that's what I would be like if it weren't that Jesus tells me to love people. And to be honest, Ramesh, two years ago, if I had responded the way I, uh, as an American, want to respond, I would have said, hey, hi, how are you doing? And I wouldn't have talked to you for the next two hours. But I love you because Jesus loves you and he tells me that I need to love people. And so it's just been a wonderful relationship of investing my life and investing God's truth in a guy who has not yet come to faith in Christ. And I, I do the same whether you're on one side of the cross or the other. It's investing life and it's investing truth and getting them uh, to um, understand who Jesus is and what he wants them to do in response. Thank you so very much, and that is worth gold to our audience out there and to me personally, and there's a lot of good lessons in your story there. I really appreciate that, uh, focusing on both sides of the cross, finding, asking God to give you somebody on both sides of the cross is just a key lesson that I hope all of us take away from this uh, episode today, and also the love and the living and the life and just doing life together, investing time, is uh, real powerful. Wherever you're at, the 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 uh, Jesus classroom was the context of everyday life, and <laughs> that's amazing. Wow, that was worth gold out there, people. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to um, move on. Uh, is there some advice that you can give us about? the process of making disciples? Maybe three key pieces of advice, uh, something of that nature? Well, um, I guess it, it may be to build on what I just said. Um, number one is you need to love people. Um, and you need to love them on their side of the road, not from your side of the road. You need to be willing to cross to their side of the road like that Samaritan did and love them on their turf, and we're not very good at engaging people on their turf. 
Uh, and yet, as you just said, that is exactly how Jesus did it. He went to their weddings. He rode in their boats. He had dinner in tax gatherers' homes. He hung with sinners. And, and we need to realize that effective ministry does not begin by getting them inside the walls of our church building. It begins by getting inside the walls of their world. Uh, so, I mean, I talked about some of the things we've done with, with uh, Ramesh, but with other neighbors, you know, we joined a bowling league with our neighbors so that we could get to know them. Um, we eat a lot of meals together with people. Uh, we go, go out to, for yogurt with, with our friends. We'll go hit golf balls together. So love people. You need to love people in their world. A second thing, and it's really the first thing, and that is um, love God. Um, Jesus was the one who said that the greatest commandments are, the first and greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and second, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I really believe that the key to achieving the Great Commission, which we know is to make disciples of all nations, is to obey the Great Commandments. So when we love God and his word passionately, and uh, uh, when we love God and his word supremely, and we love people sacrificially, I believe we have the key ingredients effective disciple-making. So I would say, uh, you know, spend less time. This might sound a little heretical, but I believe it is biblical. Spend less time inside the walls of your church and more time inside the lives of people. Um, We need to be part of the body of Christ. We need to be a part of the church, but ministry is not... Um, solely what happens inside the walls of your church. And if it is, you are not spending time doing life with people. So get outside the walls of your church and get with people. And secondly, uh, with regards to loving God, I think we need to spend less time having someone spoon-feed us on the Word of God and more time feeding ourselves on the Word of God. And it's the same with the people that we are investing in, the disciples we're seeking to make. We need to teach them right from the get-go that God's Word and God's Spirit are sufficient to teach them. They need to feed themselves on the Word of God. So, you know, as much as I love preaching, uh, uh, and I'm a preacher at heart, I would say stop counting on the pastor's sermons for your spiritual vitality and start counting on the Word of God and the Spirit of God at work in you for your spiritual vitality. So, love God and his word, love people. Um, I'll give you two more real quick ones. Focus on obedience. You know, the, the Christian life is not about how much you know. It's about doing something about what Jesus says to you. Um, I had one guy say to me, he said, you know, disciple-making isn't rocket science. This is what it is. Find out what Jesus wants you to do next and do it. You know, Jesus, in his disciple-making mandate, said, go and teach them uh, to obey all things I've commanded you. He says elsewhere, why do you call me Lord, Lord, you don't do what I say? So I try to get the, the people I'm investing in very rapidly to respond to truth. You don't need to know the whole Bible, just what, what does this little passage here say? And if this is God speaking, what do you think you need to do about it? 
and then holding each other accountable for that. What what am I doing to obey Jesus Christ? Uh, so, um, and I, I already mentioned, uh, I think earlier, the the need to be continually preaching the gospel to one another. The gospel doesn't stop when somebody comes to faith in Christ. I need the gospel. I need to continually be thrown back to my need for Jesus' righteousness in order to respond to him in obedience. I, I can't obey what he tells me in my own strength. That's why I need Jesus. So um, there would be four things I'd suggest. Wow. <laughs> Those are awesome points. You know, I was uh, listening to another preacher through another podcast, and he was saying that people come up to him and ask him, well, how do I get a vision for what God wants me to do? And he he always tells him, well, did you obey the last thing that God told you to do? <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. Yeah, that is really good. Usually once you obey the last thing that God tells you to do, he opens up a new area of ministry yeah, and life for you. <laughs> so yeah. what you said just, just reinforces other things that I've been uh, learning and listening to lately. Wow. Uh, okay, well... Would you like to share anything else with us? This is an open question. Well, I probably jumped a little ahead of you on some of my advice, so I um, I wouldn't have anything to add to that at this point. Um, love God, love people, focus on obedience, and keep preaching the gospel to one another. Um, and uh, I think if you focus on the simple things that Jesus told us to do, um, he takes care of He takes care of the rest. So, well, very good. Well, uh, here in the closing minutes of this uh, interview, I'd like you to share some about your book and about how people can contact you and contact Crossworld. And so, you've got like uh, four or five minutes or so to uh, share about those things if if you'd like to do so right now. Well, um, the book uh, that you're referring to, um, entitled A Better Way, Making Disciples Wherever Life Happens, is actually available in the full book, and there's also a, a very condensed version, just a, about a 15-page booklet, and um, you can get either of those by uh, going to our website, which is crossworld.org. We have a, a great website that has all kinds of uh, stories and videos and links to resources that will encourage you in your disciple-making journey. So uh, if you want a free copy of the booklet, um, you can just go to the website. You scroll right down to near the bottom, and there's a spot there you can request a free copy. Um, a lot of people have bought um, that booklet in quantity to share with you know, if they're if they have a a group that they meet with regularly, or even a group of church leaders, and and they'll use the booklet to kind of whet the the appetite of people, and um, then um, I encourage people to go and and get the whole book, uh, and you can also either um, order a copy of that on the website, or you can uh, go and buy a Kindle copy of it at, at Amazon. Um, so our website has a lot of resources, and um, if you want to get a taste of what's in that book, that's where you go to look. 
um, for those who are interested in going deeper and saying, you know, I'm, I'd like to know more about what Crossworld's doing and and where I might be able to fit in. Um, there's another tab there near the bottom of the the um, front page of the website that, that says Get Started, and you can just go and click on that and um, give us a little bit of basic information about what you're interested in, and we'll follow up with you. So um, that's a good place to start to get know to get to know more about uh, what we do and um, to find yourself some good resources on disciple making. Well, great. And I encourage everybody to go out there and check out www.crossworld.org and um, and go there and get that little booklet. Actually, I put a link on my webpage in uh, www.disciplemakingministries.org. So anyway, uh, I really appreciate you spending your time. I know your time is super valuable, and to it's kind of a humbling thing for me to have you on my show. I appreciate you being my very first interview and and uh, bearing with me as I fumble through this interview process. Well, I am honored, and um, I encourage you and all your listeners to keep doing what Jesus told us to do. Okay, well, uh, we appreciate that, and, and we pray the Lord's blessings on you and on the ministries through Crossworld and also on our audience out there. And we pray that the Lord would really uh, use you to advance the kingdom of God through disciple-making. Okay, we'll let you go then. So I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Have a great day.
Thank you for joining our show today. If you have a question about the topic, if you have comments or any feedback, if you have any ideas for future topics or guest speakers, if you'd like to download our free online discipleship curriculum, if you'd like to join our social networking group on Facebook, if you'd like to sign up for our next disciple-making webinar, if you'd like to become a patron, sponsor, crowdfunder, or volunteer to help us reach our goal, then start a dialogue with us at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave a message at area code 214-377-1107. We also appreciate positive reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean, as well as sharing the news about our podcast with your family and friends. Join us next week for another engaging episode. This is your host, David Spirik, signing off from Kiev, Ukraine.